You are now tuned in to the December 26th podcast, where we encourage you to be extraordinary on an ordinary day. Hey, 26er family, welcome to another episode of the December 26er podcast. I am your host, Delisha, and for this week's installment of The Check-In, we welcomed back Aisha K. Faines from episode 46. Aisha is a writer, lecturer, media commentator, and the founder of Women Love Power, a platform designed to catapult world-class women to success with smart, thought-provoking content and educational programming. Now, it's been well over two years since Aisha first appeared on our show, and her original episode remains one of our most popular to date. And that is not by some fluke. Aisha is not your run-of-the-mill commentator. She has shared her bold ideas about feminine power, gender politics, and intersectionality with audiences all over the world. But as things came to a halt last year and all of us were forced to slow down, Aisha saw an opportunity, an opportunity for more people to turn their attention to her courses, which she has spent years developing. And without any strategic advertising, her brand continued to thrive. Aisha also continued on her own journey of self-mastery and has utilized this time to fine-tune a routine that works for her, even if it requires using the word no a lot more often. So let's see what she's been up to. Aisha, welcome back to the December 26th podcast. How are you? I'm so great. Thank you for having me. Thanks for being here, I must say. So you were episode 46, pretty early in the process for us, but you ranked, your episode still ranks as one of our top three episodes, most popular. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. Yes, yes. One of the most popular episodes, Holding Strong today. Yes. Of course, (laughs) I want you to get more and more popular episodes. And of course, it's a part of me that's like, well, hopefully this one will (laughs) Well, no, listen, um, we value our guests. We value those episodes that have taken on life, life of their own. It's not for us. It's not about the bigger and the better. Like we revel in all the wins. So, yes, you are holding strong. Yay! Um, that was actually one of the more substantial podcasts I did. You know, I get a lot of invitations and and now I've started being more selective, but I would never turn you down. <laughs> Thank you. So, I appreciate rest it. Assured, the answer will never be no. But they're, you know, they're just not all the same. Um, and you know, some are surface and some I really feel like, wow, that was a great conversation. And people probably benefited from the topics we discussed. And I feel like that episode ranks and uh, for me, one of the best podcast experiences I ever had. So thank you. Well, we appreciate that. It's it's funny because we were on a bit of a break here uh, before we started recording with you just now. And we were really talking about what does the evolution of the show look like? And people want to want to hear more. They want us to do more. But I'm not the surface kind of girl. Right. So DeMarcus is not the surface kind of guy. So we're never going to fill a show with just pop culture what's you know the the latest gossip and listen we're multi-dimensional individuals so we have Mm -hmm. these conversations there are many group chats going on right now about what's happening in the world um and in reality tv and all of that but (laughs) but it doesn't mean that i want to center a brand around it um so that so to see the work that you do and what you continue to do um particularly for women and and black women like kudos to you for how you've continued to grow in the last couple of years I um I and I agree with you, I agree with you what you said about creating this brand that is not stereotypical and does not have fluff. It's a it's a more difficult journey. I mean, for women love power, 
it took six years before I had a logo because I refused to have a logo before I fully knew my brand. Mm. And you can't know everything at the outset and you can't look to what other people are doing if you want a brand that's sustainable and will survive. And I think there's a lot to be said for for diving in and looking for depth and not wanting to be surface and really feeling like what's the contribution that I authentically can give in ways that other people can't give. And I, that is what separates your podcast. And for me as a business owner, that's really what has helped define my brand, but also what makes it harder. It's a slower process when it's not a just add water. It's a slower process. It's a slower process of understanding your brand identity. When you do things better, you do things a bit slower. So it seems other people are moving faster and and doing more, but it's just that you're creating more substance. Um, And so it could be a little hard because it's a slower process, I think, when you're creating an authentic brand. But I think in the long term, brands like what you're building survive longer. And honestly, that is the exact path that I see the the work that you're doing, the work that we're doing, that I feel that we're on, right? Mm -hmm. It's not a flavor of the month. It's not what's hot right now. I very, I very well expect that the December 26th brand and the Women Love Power brand and brand like it, brands Mm -hmm. like it will exist a decade from now or 15 years and will continue to evolve at its core it remains unchanged yes. but the various iterations, right? Will, will manifest. So yes. you are, but you have not lied when you say it's a slower process. It's a slower process. I mean, I definitely, I had someone <laughs> pop up in my YouTube and in the funny thing about me, people enjoy my YouTube channel and I, and I am blessed. There's not a lot of videos on there, but I still have some subscribers, but I think a lot of people don't realize that I took two years and created, if it was all to be scripted out, it would be 650 pages of script all researched mm. and produced and, and put into about 60 hours of coursework that I could offer on Women Love Power. And so those two years meant that I was not on YouTube because I was literally every single day on vacation, even writing and producing these courses that I hope will be here for 10, 20, 30 years. And that would be life-changing. And so this woman said, all these women are ahead of you. And like, you, yeah, you have a nice way of explaining things, but you've let everybody get ahead of you. And I'm like, sweetie, (laughs) I'm not in competition Mm -hmm. with other YouTubers. Let them do what they do. And if you like what they do, join them. But I, I got to run my own race. And this is the work that I want to contribute to the world. And I want to take the time to do it right and do it well and not just sell something to sell something. And now that I have more time, now I can put more energy into other things. But it's like, that's a slow grow brand. Like just because you don't see you're doing everything on YouTube and TikTok and whatever, don't assume that like the brand is standing still good work sometimes takes time. It takes time. Absolutely. And that's, that's a great segue because I think a lot of people in the last year, I've read these stories, uh, in like the New York times, the Washington post about the exhaustion of despair where people are realizing like they hate their jobs. (laughs) They're out. (laughs) Um, but you provided a lot of your backstory and your journey on when you were on at the end of 2018 Mm -hmm. and, and talking about, you know, working in television and and news and walking away from, from that. So you've been on this journey for a while. You had that yes. epiphany years ago. Yes. So when you, when you, after you came on the show, how did your professional career as an entrepreneur and speaker and writer, uh, how, and coach, how did that continue to evolve? Well, I think for me, we did the show in 2018. Um, 
I'm really grateful that my business has really seen um, wonderful growth um, in terms of the women who are part of, you know, the internal women love power community. Um, I offer this quiz that I, you know, I took a year to create it. And I mean, I wanted people to take it, but I never thought it would be as popular as it is, but over a hundred thousand women um, have taken it and thousands of women um, have been a part of the programs that I offer on women love power. And, you know, it's funny because I don't advertise and now I am creating more uh, programs to do, you know, to um, engage, you know, my email list and things like that. So I'm late to the game. The things that people start with, um, I'm, I'm just getting two years later. I've just focused on doing the work and producing things that I think will change women's lives. Like that is my prayer um, and my affirmation that I will continue to be inspired and enlightened to produce work that helps women better understand their world and themselves so they can make smarter decisions and live better lives. Like that's it. And so when I worked with you or we just spoke, um, I had one course as my flagship, Five Laws of Feminine Power. And then I embarked on doing what I call the Feminine Odyssey, which dives into all seven feminine archetypes. It goes into world mythology, it connects it to history, it connects it to iconic women, and it helps women understand their strengths and their weaknesses and how to bring balance into their lives, why they do what they do, what it takes to find satisfaction, who you're going to be attracted to, who's going to be attracted to you, the mythical stories, playing out in your lives, like all of this. So I took the time to create the feminine odyssey and then I took the time to create the masculine odyssey, which is basically the masculine archetypes and explained for women so we can understand the men in our families at our workplace and that we, you know, date and possibly marry. Um, so I've been hard at, <laughs> I've had my head down and, um, you know, it's slow and grow. I've had some wonderful opportunities before the pandemic. <laughs> um, I was doing a lot of lecturing. Um, I had a great lecture at the University of British Columbia on the Black Femme Fatale and the archetypal origins of the Femme Fatale and how it connects to the representation of Black women. Um, and, uh, and, and at a couple other colleges, I've done some great lectures. I also started a column with Zora Magazine, um, and I get to explore the intersection of love and power. Um, so I've been really just like nose to the grindstone. I can't say that I've got a network television show or anything like that, but it's been, I've seen really great growth in my business and in my following. And I feel like I've created so much work that will last for um, hopefully decades. That's the purpose. Absolutely. And, you know, I think sometimes, like you mentioned, the comments are on YouTube. It's like, you should be farther, you know, all this other <laughs> stuff. And I think sometimes when you're not fully active on IG and TikTok and Twitter where you're not posting all the time. Somehow people, like we've equated, and I was just having this conversation in another interview earlier, we've equated like the optics of like the frequency of posting and like how out there you are on social media with success mm -hmm. and actually like making things happen. Not realizing that there are people who are not doing that because they're so busy yes. <laughs> with like a real life brand and a real life business and opportunity. And if you're in an instance like you where you're not advertising, but the women are finding you, mm -hmm. right? And, it's a blessing. And that is a blessing. And, mm -hmm. and I think sometimes people don't realize that a lot of people that you see who post at that at a clip like that is because they have to. 
Yeah. Either they're monetized in a way where they need to, they're affiliated with brands where they have to, or they just need that validation. That's a whole other conversation for another day. Yeah. But there are many people who have built successful brands and businesses that are not reliant on being out there. We all know the value of like an email list and newsletters and all yeah. this other stuff, right? But the fact that you you have built something that people find such value in that clearly they're telling somebody about it and then they're telling somebody about it, yeah. you know, and they're finding you. I think that is not only a blessing, but speaks to the time that you, you spent to create it. And that mm-hmm. is counterintuitive to the culture in a lot of ways, because, you know, now everybody's selling a workshop, how to put a course together in 30 days, how to write a book in 21 days, just get it out there. It doesn't matter how good it is, just get it out there. So for you to really put the meat on the bone in that way mm-hmm. and for it to work, I think I just wanted to make sure we highlight that that's, that's to be commended because we tend to have these moments where we're like, well, I haven't been out there, but you know, I'm still making yeah. it happen. And, and we've got to stop conflating the being out there, oh, absolutely. seeing success and progressing, you know? Absolutely. And it's, you know, and you have to, I, I've had to find a balance because I'm sitting here like, maybe I should hire someone. Because that is the thing. I feel so tapped <laughs> from mm-hmm. the work that I do requires so much of me. When I'm researching, it's not just that like my mind is engaged, it's my spirit becomes engaged because I can be contemplating something and everything I encounter, I'll, I'll be on YouTube and I'll see a documentary. I'll be reading the New York Times and see an article that applies. I'll be having a conversation and it'll, it'll, I'll make a connection. It's like the information starts coming to me. At a certain point, it becomes like, oh, my mind is it's like my mind and spirit are engaged. It is such a total consuming process for me that when I'm working on like giving birth to a course or to an article or something like that, I can't really multitask very well. It's really consuming. Um, and so you're right. The the Instagram piece and all of that is like, okay, I can't do it at the clip that other people are doing, but other people are not putting, <laughs> they're not working and maybe they're working smarter and I'm working too hard. I don't know, but, but there is a value. And I understand there's a value in Instagram because that's how, you know, the, you know, the media finds you and a lot of people do judge you based on, you know, like your success based on the nu- the numbers and it's important, but it, it can be, it can be difficult. I think I'll always choose the work because I think in the end, the work is what's going to sustain, you know? Absolutely. So let's unpack a little bit more your process for putting together your, your courses and the things that you're working on. So you mentioned that when you're working on it, whether you're on vacation, whether you're home, you are in it. Mm-hmm. And I think when people are building things from scratch, even those who feel they're called to something, they're moving in purpose, they don't always feel motivated to create or they feel like there's there's nothing there, right? It's like, okay, mm-hmm. I'm sitting down to write or I'm sitting down to start to put this course together and it's just not coming. Now you mentioned it accelerates for you in a way where it is all consuming, but where does the what does the beginning of that process look like? When you've gotten an idea, it's now downloaded, how do you start to at least put the skeleton together? Well, let me tell you, I think the beginning of the process is purpose. And I think one of the reasons why people may not feel like they're giving birth is because, and granted, I'm paying my 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 IT attorneys a small fortune. It's because so many people see other people do it and they think it's easy and they just set out to make a copy. And so I can't tell you how many people have come along and attempted to replicate <laughs> my work. I can't even, I'm not going to even go there. But I think that sometimes people come up empty because you're not, you're not trying to plant the seed that you were meant to plant. It's, Mm. this is not your calling. And it might not be that 
creating a course is not your calling because we we could you could say we all have something to teach we all have a story to tell it could just be you know that what you've chosen to talk about or to create around is not really the work that you were truly called to do so you're you're asking a question and nothing is you're not getting the response because you just you might not be that person and so i think it's the 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 first thing that everybody has to do is really get quiet enough to figure out what they are being called to do. And I think we talked about this on the last time, but, you know, purpose, it's it's where, you know, your natural strengths meet things you're passionate about and really, really interested in meets your values. It's at the intersection of all three. If you could list your values and what you're, you're good at and then what you're really excited about in that mix is the thing you're probably supposed to be doing. So that's that's the first thing. And I say that to say, if you ask me to write an article about something that does not have to do with like women and power or like the history of women or black, I, I don't do a good job. That's not my... <laughs> That's not my calling. You'll be like, Aisha wrote this? It sucks. I, I, that's not why I'm here. So that's the first. Um, but for me, I have this very like, I think in school we learn to create in this very linear way. And I had to dismantle that notion that creativity is a linear process. Um, and for me, it's a very chaotic process. And then I take the seeds and organize the seeds. And so for me, I started with the archetypes, knowing I have a laundry list of topics that I plan to create uh, courses and materials with for Women Love Power, but it was just, the archetypes are a great way to help women understand themselves. So it's just a good starting point. And I'll, and I'll, and I know what I know, and there are things that I don't know. And so I really will just spend time, um, if for anything that I'm researching, reading, finding different material, watching movies, watching documentaries, like just exposing myself. Even if I'm writing a column, I'll just spend time, even things that don't seem like they actually have that much to do with it, just opening my mind to different ideas and getting the ball turning. And then I um, am a copious note taker. I have index cards and I just kind of can go through stacks and stacks and it's just all my ideas, everything I'm thinking, everything I'm processing, making those connections. And then I start to organize and then I kind of sit down to write. So that's that's actually what I do. Even every time I write a column, I just start off by reading, having conversations, watching things, getting inspired. Then I take a couple of days to just get it all out, everything I'm thinking, anything I've come across or whatnot. And then I let that sit and I say, okay, now what do I want to say? And then I start the actual process. But I think a lot of times we're learned to almost start with, this is what I'm going to say. So now let me figure out what to, and it's like, I don't, I let it come to me. Yeah. I stay very, very open. And I think, and I think it was important to break that down because the prototype of a listener for this show are people often who they're visionaries, like, we want to accomplish big things, but many of us are overachievers yes. and are very organized and very like dotted eye across T. And I think we sometimes fail to launch a lot of things because we're unwilling to do the data down. Like we mm-hmm. want it to come out organized and neat. And when it doesn't, it, it makes us feel a bit, I think, scatterbrained in a way where we can't move past yes. step one of just getting started. Yeah. Creativity is such a chaotic 
process like even if you think of the big bang and like how the universe is created it's it is chaos consistently organizing itself right mm-hmm. and um you know if you think of the birth process is a lot <laughs> it's not pretty <laughs> it's not really pretty um and i always feel that anything that i i i work to do there is a birth process there's this process where even after i've done the dump and i've organized my thoughts and thought about it and I've written it out, there's a process where it physically hurts to get it. And then all of a sudden I'm like, oh, this is it. This Mm -hmm. column rocks. It just it goes from being like, this looks like an amateur rodent to whoo, this is good. I'm I'm like clapping my for my own self. Like, you know, but it's it's like this physical like pain. Like I sometimes I really feel like pain to get Mm -hmm. in there. And I had to accept though the creativity is a chaotic process. And once I could accept that it's a chaotic process and that I'm going to get all this inspiration, I'm going to be getting all these ideas and I got to, it's not going to be organized. And even when I do my first draft and second draft, it might not be pretty. And I might have to cut this and take this and redo this and think about this. And uh, the, the paragraph might come to me while I'm running or while I'm bathing or while I'm sleeping or while I'm driving usually. Once I accepted that, then it was like, okay, I'm normal. This is just the process. Mm -hmm. And I was more open to it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I have, I will admit that I have been gotten out of the shower, like wrapped in a towel and feverishly writing. Like I have to get this down before it goes away or pulling the car over or whatever. (laughs) When it hits you, it hits you. Yes. I love that voice note on the phone. Yes. It's great. And I have done that too. Yes. So thinking about the, the programs that you built over time, the work, the speaking work that you've been doing, we know that you um, are featured on Grapevine, you know, all this stuff. Now we come to March of last year. Yes. Right. And, and the news cycle is talking about this thing, COVID, right? We're hearing about it. We know it's something, you know, I start having conversations, colleagues, like we might be shutting down, you know, what have you. But I think at the time I was on some like, eh, a couple of weeks, we're going to be in the house. No idea at the time. When you realized that the world was like closing, what was your mindset at that point? I can remember like I was like on a high, like there was so much happening. Grapevine was getting ready to go on tour. I had Mm. just come from Jamaica. I had done a speaking engagement at Rice University that had gone really well. And I was looking forward to doing a speaking event at my alma mater, Yale, which I never got to do. Mm. <laughs> um, hopefully that comes back around. Um, I just remember being this high. And I remember when I was in Houston, it was March. It was the very beginning of March and there was like buzz. And um, I remember asking my mom, you know, I think I should wear a mask on the plane or something. I'm just hearing all this. Ah, I'll take a mask, right? <laughs> you know? And I remember that I saw a couple people with masks, everything. So, you know, okay. And then, I'm in Houston. I remember the night before the speaking engagement, they had a rooftop bar. So I'm having a drink. I'm going over my notes and there was a fire pit. And I remember, and I don't know why, I remember thinking this moment is so perfect. And I, it was so perfect. I took a picture. Mm. I was just like, you know, you just feel this overwhelming sense of calm and happiness and everything's going so well. Well, I flew back home. More people were in masks. And at this point, I'm now like hearing not anything about a quarantine, but like, oh, we're there's a, there's a pandemic coming. It's the first celebrity got sick. Let me go grocery shopping. When I went grocery shopping, that was when it felt like I got punched in the gut because the 
lines were insane and the cupboards were bare. And that was when I was like, oh my God. Mm -hmm. And, but you know, I don't think I ever panicked. Um, My mom did. And I remember she was in denial and, and I, (laughs) and I just don't think, I don't think I ever panicked. My, my response was to read everything because I had been slipping. I hadn't been paying attention. It's crept up on me. Like it crept up on everybody. But once I realized this was really real, I remember reading everything I could get my hands on. I, I I started ordering PPE as soon as I could. Um, And I remember seeing something that the CDC said, I don't know if it's CDC, but reading that it was airborne. And at the time they were trying to tell us not to wear masks. They were saying, leave the mask for the healthcare professionals, wash your hands. Mm -hmm. And I remember telling my parents, no, no, (laughs) we have to wear. So I went, so I, for me, the information and the nerding out, that's what brought me calm. Like mm-hmm. the more I felt like I, I was armed with information, the more I felt like, okay, I could make better decisions because I understand what this is. I understand what's happening. Um, and I, you know, nothing, I, I don't know that much changed for me when we went indoors because I already worked for the most part alone. Mm-hmm. And, um, and in, in many ways it helped me take my business to the next level because I had less distraction mm-hmm. and I'm an introvert. <laughs> so for me, it was, I, I, I got really good about finding a rhythm that I probably never got quite attuned to because I was always on the go. And I discovered that for me, I work best waking up at a certain time, doing my gratitude, meditating, prayer, going for my run, doing this, da, 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 eating at this time, sleeping at this time. I found this rhythm that really works for my life and helps me maximize my creativity that I had not discovered before. Um, and I was able to do more work because I had no distractions. Um, and I honestly kind of feel like it was actually a beautiful period for me. Mm-hmm. And you know, I feel blessed that my family, you know, no one contracted COVID. Um, everybody's vaccinated now, but no one contracted it. And 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 I it's hard for me to say that because I know that overall there was so much death and there's so much displacement. Um, but I found that I kind of went into a cocoon and um and it was it was actually very helpful. Mm-hmm. So, so I didn't thinking, know much better. Agreed. But thinking about the the aspects of your career and the work that you do, the fact that you were taking speaking engagements and getting these amazing opportunities to lecture and then realizing we're about to be in the house for an extended period of time. So did you did you have concern there from an economic perspective or just from a brand expansion perspective that those opportunities were on pause or may have to look a, a bit different? I felt like. You know, I still was able to get some opportunities um, and and I I definitely felt like, okay, I was really on a roll and now that is on pause. I I had to accept that. But I think I looked at it and this might be my optimism. I said, hey, more people are going to be at home. They're going to have time to take courses. (laughs) Right. (laughs) So I think I looked at it as like, and it's true. I think people were at home introspecting and a lot of people had aha moments with my work. I, so, 
I think I realized that this part of my career is not going to thrive right now. You're mm-hmm. not going to be on the road. You're not going to be, you know, out front, but you have this unique opportunity with very little distraction to really work even harder than you were working and to really grow as a person. I got a therapist. Um, she said, you know, why are you here? It's like, no, absolutely nothing's wrong. I just want you to tell me about the emotional blind spots. I don't know. I have, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I was like, why not? We have time. So absolutely. I think I looked at the, I think I really focused on the positive every day. When I write my gratitude journal, I could say my parents are healthy. Um, you know, I, I didn't get COVID. Um, you know, we're all surviving. Um, I looked at the things that we could be grateful for. The hardest part was the beginning with the grocery shopping. And that was very fresh. That was, I felt the survival instinct pick in when you, you just kick in when you just, you can't, I couldn't get basic vegetables. I couldn't get bread. I couldn't get, that was scary. Mm-hmm. Um, after a month or two, when things kind of calmed down, you know, we were making our own mask at first. It was, it was a mess. But after that, I really realized this is a unique oppor- opportunity and I can embrace this and I can come out stronger and more confident um, and, you know, and, and having a, a bigger body of work than when I went in. You know, and, and we went through a similar thing here at the show where just before everything shut down, we had some great things. Like 2020 started so strong for mm-hmm. us. We did a, you know, a fireside chat at City about the show mm-hmm. and like, you know, things were happening. We had some live events planned. And it was like, you know, we had all this, we were going to branch off into like a health and wellness journey and, and all this. And then it was like, okay, you know, that, that all is all is on pause. And similarly, I think I was just so focused on like, what is this? Like what's happening and, and how to, how do we keep ourselves safe? How do we keep our family safe? And, and, and thankfully, you know, this, this is 26 network is vast. So mm-hmm. somebody who had been on the show had a degree in epidemiology. So like he was giving, he's reading the journals and saying, these are things we need to think about. We're going to be in this for a long haul. It's going to mutate. You know, all of this stuff that we're hearing now, I felt like I was informed very early and Mm -hmm. I was still going through a lot of change, you know, professionally and and personally, but also similarly, I was like, this is a great time for introspection, went back to therapy, all of those things. But I don't know if this is just introverts or people who are moving, who generally move at a pace that's just not human. But it, this year slowdown for all of this stress, for everything you know, I've been through, it, it has really helped me see that I can't go back to the pace I was moving at before. Yep. yep. Like that, that was the big revelation for me. Yep. Like everything that people commended me for pre-COVID, like all the things I was juggling, I don't know how you're doing it. I'm like, I don't want, I was just telling my therapist yesterday. I, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm glad that vaccinations are far and wide. Mm-hmm. I'm glad that like we're moving towards some form of normalcy. I'm not excited to go back to what it was before and I don't want to. Yeah, so what does my life look was. like after that? So this year for me has been, despite all of the stress, like has been a great revelatory period about mm. what makes me happy, what brings me joy, uh, what keeps me emotionally healthy, mentally healthy, what I need to recharge, you know, all of that has come out of this time of just having to slow yeah. down a lot yeah. of creativity as well. You know, all of that, a lot of relationships made and, and, and fostered, but, um, yeah, I'm, I have no desire to, to go back yeah, to the, the speed. I'm reading, I'm reading the articles in the journal and stuff about the, the number of people that they're 
polling were like, I really don't want to go back to the office five days of work. I don't dig my coworkers like that. <laughs> but like, I don't blame them. And I, I think that I had the same revelation as you. Mm-hmm. I changed a lot of things at the beginning of this year. Um, I started saying no a lot more often, putting a lot more boundaries on my time because I realized that the pace I was working while I was producing, 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 I couldn't do it you know, anymore. I was producing a course a month, 50, pa- 50 pages. It was, it was impossible. Um, and I said, okay, well, that time has passed and we have what we have, but we have to. And I think I had to overcome this idea that if I'm not working, I don't feel like I'm being productive. And it's like, it's okay to just be and to exist. Yes. Creativity takes time. Relationships take time. Mental health takes time. We are not here to just work all the time. And I really became, came to value rest. Mm-hmm. That's my, that was my, just, we had the same revelation. I think 2021 came around and I thought about what do I want more than anything? Balance. So I got to work smarter rather than harder. I got to, I want to focus more intensely on less things. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. And I feel like a lot of us had the doing down, you know, mm-hmm. we knew how to do, but how to just be. Mm-hmm. No, I, I don't know about you, but I think before this last year, I would say that I was like, I could just be, but the tape was playing in my head about what mm-hmm. I need to do. So it's like, I'm here, I'm, I'm on the couch, I'm reading or I'm watching Netflix or whatever, or talking to friends in my head. It's like, I got to get back to this 30 item to-do list. I, I really, I had no concept of what it meant to just exist, just to slow down and just be in the moment and see the value in that without like beating myself up about what I needed to be on next, you know? Oh yeah. It's so funny. I just had a talk today. I, I started, um, I, it's so crazy. I, I always would get massages before, before the, um, uh, pandemic. And then after the pandemic, obviously I didn't go to massage parlor. Um, so I started back and I was, it was at a time I was just, I was feeling so stressed. And every time in my life when I have been super stressed and I've gone to get a massage, it's been a black woman. Mm-hmm. And so I ended up with this black woman and I, cause I started at a new spa and she said, honey, you don't need a Swedish, you need deep tissue. I have never met someone with so much tension and stress in their bodies. But so this morning, so I go to her every two weeks and this morning she was just like, you know, our people, we've been working. We've been working. We, we got here, you know, we were enslaved and they, they worked. They, nobody talks about the children that died, didn't make it to 15, 16 because their, their mothers pushed them out. They were worked and they just died. Mm-hmm. And she was like, and I, my goal is that, you know, our children will know freedom mm. and, what, and know what it's like to just be and not feel like they have to work to, you know, to make that. And of course we have to work to eat, but not feel like their value is just in what they do, but they will know the joy of just existence. Mm. And it was so powerful. She said, and she, she talked about how massage and healing practices are a part of just letting go of the stress and the anxiety and that feeling of doing that we inherited epigenetically. Yes. Through the cellular system, you know. So, yeah, that's a theme in my life. It's like a theme in the world right now with Black women. Yes, absolutely. And I'm glad you brought up the epigenetic piece of it because we don't talk about that enough. Like, this is 
it's not only in ourselves and then we're socialized that way. We're, we're our culture is that it's like, mm-hmm. what are you doing? What's your plan? You know, what's next? And this constant, I know I have dealt with this fear of like the other shoe dropping, you know, so for all the man- manifestation meditation in the world, mm-hmm. I had to, this, this is the year that I acknowledged you're driven by a lot of fear. Like you, you talk all this stuff about optimism and like, I want good things and I believe good things are coming to me. But, but that pace was about, I'm trying to outrun failure or outrun mm-hmm. disappointment or a disaster or things just not working. And then what, I'm go- what am I going to do? And yeah. so this, this last year has really been about releasing that. Uh, I, I, and, can, I can, I, yeah, I've, I've worked, I've had to work through those feelings of, wait, what's about to happen? Yeah. <laughs> like things are going through that. And also feeling that um, I need to prove my worth. You mm-hmm. know, when I was able to finally accept that we live in an abundant world. Um, humans create scarcity. Humans create failure. It's humans that come along and say that you failed, you didn't. The, the universe doesn't care. God doesn't care, you know? Um, and if you look at our world, it's, it's, self, it's self-replenishing. You know, you plant a seed, the thing that grows produces more seeds to be planted. Like everything is self-replenishing. There's no such thing as scarcity. It's humans that come along and say, well, all this is mine. So you, they mm-hmm. create scarcity. And then we internalize the, the feelings that we've been given. And I was able to kind of understand that and they let go of these feelings of like, as long as I can produce and problem solve, I'll be okay. I'll be all right. You know what I mean? There will be, there will be a way, as long as I can plant seeds, I'll I'll be okay. Um, But that's something I I struggled with for a very long time. And I think I inherited because my mom still feels that way. My mom is always the one I call pay your taxes yet. Yes, mom. I pay my taxes. These uncle Sam's has foot in my ass, but I pay them. Okay. So, you know, is it, you know, but that's what she inherited. I'm like, well, I'm going to break that generational thing. I think I'm all, I think I'm working through the feelings of you having to prove that I'm enough. Mm. And it's like, there's like this feeling of to prove I'm enough. I can't show everybody exactly who I am because what if they don't think I'm enough? And just working through like the mask and the vulnerability and knowing you're fine. You're enough as you are and what opportunities will come will come and what won't won't. But it's not because you have to do more and be more. And you are enough. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I feel like I'm, I've been having various versions of this conversation with a lot of black women and black women who on the surface have they've got it all. They've knocked it out of the park. They've gotten the degrees. They work in the job that they wanted. They take the fabulous trips. They drive the right car, all of those things. And I can't tell you how many people in my own circle have reached out to me and said, you know what I realized during this pandemic? I hate my job. Or I've done all of this, all this time, all this work, amassed all these things, and Mm -hmm. I'm not happy. Mm -hmm. Or also realizing that by being stuck at home, it magnifies the fact that they don't have a family. Mm. So no, no children, you know, it's just me. I'm just here. Like, I, you know, I bought this house or I bought this condo or whatever. And I've been stuck here by myself for a yeah. year. It, it It's elevating all of the things that I think a lot of us kind of push down because we could. We're so busy. It was easy to yeah. push down, right? And you have things. And, yes, and things. So I, I think, you know, often what we were calling choosing joy 
mm-hmm. before was really just choosing distractions. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Joy wasn't genuine. So have you seen any of these sentiments in the work that you do? Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> in my friend circle um, and the people that reach out to me and connect with me, um, I think a it's a, it is really a privilege to do purpose-driven work. It doesn't happen mm-hmm. often. Um, and I think it's because we kind of get pushed along. You know, you, your parents mean well, but they send you to school. They teach you about what, you know, upstanding people do and, you know, and what success looks like. And, and then the world has this image of success. And so you just go along trying to follow a blueprint that wasn't created, tailor-made for you. Um, And I think a lot of people never have the opportunity to really get still enough to realize it's not satisfying to them. Mm -hmm. The pandemic was one of the rare opportunities. Um, But I definitely see that. And I think it's because we don't really spend enough time with ourselves and enough time figuring out our emotional needs, you know, For example, when I was in the newsroom, I couldn't figure out why I didn't enjoy news. Well, first of all, I don't enjoy negativity. So Mm. that was the first. Another thing was, you know, I didn't realize that I truly value autonomy. Like that is something that is like a core need for me. The feeling of I can make decisions for my own life. Not everybody values that. Some people value security more than autonomy. I don't really need the feeling of security. I can work with the tremendous amount of risk that other people can't. Right. And I realized I was never going to be happy. I could have climbed the markets. I could have gotten agents and done everything I could have and still would not ever have been happy in that position. I didn't understand it then. Now I know now. Um, I think a lot of people just have not had the time to sit and excavate their lives and figure out what it is that brings them real joy. But more than that, when we talk about purpose, purpose is not about us. It's actually mm-hmm. what is our gift to others? What is it? What are the seeds we're here to plant? Like, what is it that other people are going? How are we adding value to other people's lives? And it might not be in these, you know, financial ways. You know, some people spread love, some people spread joy, some people spread cheer, uh, some people make people feel accepted, some people are teachers, some people help people you know, aspire and reach, transcend, you know, to higher levels, like your purpose isn't actually about you. Um, Mm -hmm. (laughs) And most people just haven't had that time to really sit and figure out what do I need to feel most like myself? What brings me joy? And how could I create a life that um, feeds that? And then the one reason is because there's a lot of fear that if you don't do things this way, you will not have enough money. You won't be able to maintain this is myth of like the starving artist, which is not true because when you're starving, you can't create. That's actually really not true. Your survival instinct, you cannot create. <laughs> right? There's this myth that if you do something that's that's out off out, out of um the norm, you'll you'll be struggling, you know, or people will be judging you. Well, yes, people will judge you, but if you're doing what you're here to do, you will be taken care of. Mm. So a lot of fear keeps people, I think, from mining their lives. But yes, that is a resonant theme. Um, a lot of women realizing um, that they're not, you know, totally satisfied. Also, a lot of women realizing how important community and a village is and that all your Facebook friends and your Instagram friends or the people, you know, you thought were your friends. It comes down to that core group. Right. And relying on that core group. And I think a lot of friend groups grew stronger 
Um, and I think a lot of women are also realizing um, romantically if they are single, I think a lot of women had time to get clear about what they wanted and, and what they didn't want. I think I saw a lot of women becoming a lot more particular. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and which is interesting against, particularly for those of us who were like closer to 40 than 30, mm-hmm. um, you know, against the backdrop of kind of having lost a year where you feel like a year really matters. Right. So yeah. once you get to a certain age, it's like, you got to get out there. You have to be dating. You have to be, you need a plan. What's your fertility plan? You know, all of these things. Yeah. And then to just be stuck at home and be like, well, there's nothing I really can do. I can date online, but mm-hmm. that's not for everybody. Nope. Um, so it, it's interesting to, to have those feelings of like, time is moving and we're all literally stuck in place mm-hmm. yet. I'm more particular than I was before, before this happened. I, I, I feel like I've talked to a lot of women who, despite all of this are not in a place of despair with respect to what they want romantically. I think it's a beautiful thing when you find joy where you are. And I think as long as joy is outside of you, you're not able to attract it. Like you need to be able to be happy wherever you are and with whatever you have. And that's honestly, that that's how you continue to grow by really being able to look around and, and find the things to be happy and grateful for. And I think that our society so promotes the idea of happily ever after being after you meet this man First of all, no relationship is perfect. All relationships are work. Marriage is work. So yes, it's happily ever after with work. So even that's a myth, right? But then also a lot of women feeling like, okay, well, as soon as I meet this man, then I'm going to be, you know, fulfilled. Or as soon as I do this, then I'll be like postponing your happiness. So my hope is that more people discovered that even in their cocoons with their small villages, um, they were able to still find happiness. And I think for the women that were able to to do that, they're going to be in a better place because this in this day and age with uh, the lax standards we have in the romantic playing field, the last thing you want to do is go out there looking for somebody to complete you and bring you happiness that leaves you open and vulnerable to all mm-hmm. kinds of mess. But when you feel good and you feel like you're in a really good place, then you're not so, you know, they always say, don't grocery shop when you're hungry because Mm -hmm. you'll buy everything. It's like that when you're full and you go out and you're meeting people, now you can see people for who they are. You want them, you don't need them. So you can really see what you're getting and you can really put yourself out there and really understand who this person is. You make better, it comes down to you just make better decisions. And let me tell you, I don't, think people can bring a lot of joy into your lives and people can bring a lot of misery into your lives too. Absolutely. And so it's good for women to really get clear about like, this is what I don't want. Because as long as we are allowing what we don't want into our lives, we're reinforcing the idea that that's what we deserve. That's all we can do. We're making it worse. Like women have to get to a place where it's like, I'm good. This is what I do want. This is what I don't want. I can consistently reject what it is that I don't want. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think one of the things that I was having a conversation with a mentor of mine, this is like maybe the like la- end of last summer. And, and she, I didn't think about my life this way, mm-hmm. but she said, you know, you, you have such an assurance about everything else in your life. And it has, and those things manifest like a, mm-hmm. a career assurance. Okay. This is the next step for me or whatever the show, this is what's next. We may have to pivot. And again, we're, uh, that's not dismissing or negating 
the fear of the other shoe dropping, but there's something that always pushes me forward. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just like life decisions. And she said, how you, you can't have a surety about all those things in your life and a confidence and then not have it about romantic, you know, the romantic session, you know, section or portion of your life. And I just didn't think about it that way. Like why, why is the energy different with respect to this one thing than, than everywhere else? Like this, yeah. it, it's the same confidence and the same self-confidence, the same selectivity, all of that needs to carry over. And, yeah. you know, I won't say that like, you know, I never had it, but I think the older you get and the more people are looking at you, like, okay, what, what's your plan here? Like, you know, you're, yeah. you're, you're, you're getting older. Time is moving. Do you want children? Cause if you do, you need to start making some decisions. You can start to adopt that. Like, yeah. oh, oh, maybe I do need to be thinking about this, you know, more, more closely. So one of the things that I've really been focused on since that conversation is if the way my life has always worked out in every other area, I'm not going to sacrifice that assurance and that faith in this area. I'm not going to sacrifice that knowing yes. that like it may not be in the timing that I thought it should be in, but it will happen and it does involve me lowering my expectation or lowering my standards. Exactly. Ending up in some level of toxicity, you know, that. I don't want any part of just because yes. I feel like I'm trying to make something happen in, in a oh, you yeah. know set amount of time. I think a lot of women can relate, including myself, um, mm-hmm. being able to think so positively and abundantly and clearly about about uh, career and health and every and mm-hmm. family and everything else. But when it comes to love, and I think it's 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 simple socialization. Like you know, with men, there's more pressure that they do well, but with women, we are defined by our abilities to attract and keep a man. I mean, and Mm -hmm. and there's no way around that. And so because we're socialized in that way, that's where a lot of women experience the most pressure, but that's also where a lot of women experience the most fear. Mm -hmm. So it's easier sometimes to overcome the scarcity mindset when it comes to money, because at at the end of the day, you know, you can, you can get by with this much money or this much money or this much money. But when it comes to a man, it's like, you got to find that one man. (laughs) Yes. So it's easy, you know, so money feels a little bit more impersonal. But with the man, it is like the culmination of like your worth as a human being if you've internalized the socialization. So there's more pressure and there's really more of a scarcity mindset. There's this idea that there's not enough love to go around, which is ridiculous when you think about it, right? There's like love is the, is the central force of the universe. Of course, there's more than enough love to go around. But we tell ourselves that that there isn't and that you have to be this thing or you have to prove yourself or you have to do this or if you're too old, you're not this. Or you're, you're Black, you're not, you don't deserve to have standards. Like all of these things, and we don't realize you're absolutely right that the same mindset that we're able to grow and evolve through when it comes to money and other parts of our lives, for some reason, we are stuck, you know, at the, at the baser mindsets when it comes to love and attracting a partner. But I, I do think it's just overcoming, making the same realization that you made, that love is just like anything else. It is mm-hmm. abundant. There is enough. You are enough as you are. And everything happens when it's supposed to happen. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and one thing, and I, I want to touch on this because I feel like you're more of an expert than me. Uh, but one of the things, an interesting conversation I was having mm-hmm. with uh, a friend recently where, she, you know, we were talking about this concept of feminine energy and like, mm-hmm. you know, there's, there, there are many folks on social media who are talking about that and, yeah. you know, embracing your feminine energy and 
showing a man that you need and you know all this other stuff. And for career women, um, mm-hmm. and I'm obviously oversimplifying, but you, mm-hmm. you get where I'm going with this. For career women, they don't know how to reconcile that, right? So it's like, I'm independent. I've been independent. I've been on my own now for 15 years, 20 years, what have you. What do you mean feminine energy? Like, what do yeah. you mean I've got to appear? I think people translate that to appearing weak to men. And if you appear too strong, then that is a turnoff um, to them. And that's why you're still single because you emit too much quote unquote masculine energy. (laughs) So (laughs) I'm not even going to frame a question. I'm just going to get your reaction to, to, to that. I think there are a lot of people who don't know what they're talking about on the internet. Um, one, I, two, I think that misogyny comes in many packages and that, you know, that, um, this idea that Black women are not feminine um, is something that is, you know, antebellum. And we've recycled it and repackaged it in a lot of different ways. And so in this modest, this newest way is that, you know, Black women are too independent for their own good. And when you understand, um, yes, everything has a duality. Every person has a masculine and, and femininity. Um, and yes, our corporate culture is you could say it's hypermasculine in a sense that is production oriented um, and that it is very future oriented. So it, it, it tends to make us see that our value is only in doing and not in being. But that doesn't have anything to do with your ability to be financially independent um, and happy with your work and happy to be feminine. Um, first of all, if you're a woman, if you're every, everybody has feminine parts. So this whole idea of you, you're not feminine enough, you know, that's just ridiculous. There's no one way to be feminine. Um, And two, when we're talking about feminine energy, that has to do with creativity. That Mm -hmm. has to do with rest. That has to do with collaboration. That has to do with creating strong communities. That has to do with um, mindfulness. That has to do with being connected to spirit. When I told you how I research and it becomes a spiritual thing, because now I realize my mind doesn't become engaged, but all of a sudden I start intuiting all these things and I have all these connections, including this conversation is connected to an article I'm working on, just starts coming to me. It's to be connected to your intuition. It's to be open and receptive and to be present. And it has to be balanced with the masculine, right? Mm. So if you are too open, you can be taken advantage of. You need to be open, but at the same time, be um, aware. Like you need to be open and receptive to what's happening and mindful, but at the same time, be aware and be able to process things, right? Creativity alone isn't enough. Creativity alone is very chaotic. There's gotta be a part of you that can take that creative creativity and then say, okay, now that I have this deluge of ideas, now let's organize them and and produce an article, produce a poem, produce a book, produce a speech, produce a blog post, right? Mm-hmm. It has to be balanced. Masculine and femininity has to be balanced. That's the way it works. That's the concept. How people have taken these spiritual concepts and injected them with such a deep misogyny <laughs> mm-hmm. that it becomes, you have to prove to a man that you need him in every way in order to be attractive. Well, that only exists in a society where we are convinced that love equals domination. Mm. In order for you to love me, you must dominate me. In order for me to prove myself lovable, I have to prove that I have superficial worth for you. So if I'm on your arm, you feel better about yourself as a man, right? 
And I have to prove that I need you. I need the complete me. I wouldn't want a man that needed that, first of all. Right. It's a toxic form of love. It's a, lo- a form of love that we need to get away with, away with equating love with domination. And it's doing Black women a service, teaching them that connecting to their femininity is dressing a certain way or pretending that they are um, something that they're not. Um, and there's nothing um, unfeminine about being able to take care of yourself. Like let's they stop and think about what we're what we're saying here right. or about being fulfilled. If your career brings you opportunities for fulfillment, opportunities to have great friends and to know great people and to learn new things and to expand your mind and to see the world, it makes you more of who you are. Why would that be unattractive? Right. <laughs> yeah. And if anyone's intimidated by that, we have to question the ways that we've been socialized to think about love. And I think a lot of Black women have been poo-pooed on for so long and taught that there's something wrong with Black femininity because we grew up in a society that strategically defined white womanhood as femininity as a, and, 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 and intentionally defined it um, in, the, in opposition to Black femininity, right? Exactly. That dichotomy exists for reasons so that in slavery we could separate which women we put on a pedestal versus which women we would abuse mm-hmm. um, and rape and pillage and kill, right? And so we still have this dichotomy. And so we still have people who really believe that your imitation of white womanhood is what makes you feminine. And it's mm. like, can we please break out of the misogyny? That's not what femininity is at all. It is literally just another way, it's a way of being and existing. It's what we were all connected to during this pandemic, having that time in our space. It's it's elevating space. It's finding the sacredness in space. It's spirituality. It's mindfulness. It's collaboration. It's connection. It's creativity. It's presence. It's being. It's resting, right? It's all these things that have nothing to do with race or color or gender. Mm-hmm. And I, I have found, I couldn't have said that nearly as eloquently as, as you did. That was a whole word. <laughs> and, you know, I, I think too, a lot of us are reconnecting with the parts of ourselves that are not connected to our output. Mm-hmm. And, and for me, that has been the, the growth, like exponential growth that I've had in the last year that has nothing to do with like allowing a man to like take my car to put gas in it. Right. Like we, 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 sometimes these things are just so overly simplified Mm -hmm. or minimized in a way where like, that's not going to solve the problem that like you telling a woman who works in corporate America, who makes six figures and got her life set up, you need to learn how to let a man take the trash out for you. Like that, this goes so much deeper, that masculine and feminine balance so much deeper than that. Yeah. Um, and and I, that's why I think the work that you're doing is just so important because I'm watching in real time a lot of Black women internalize that. And yeah. they, they, they've now translated this to like, well, if I don't dim my light, then love, I can't have love. Exactly. Like, and that's femininity, not the right messaging. No. And it's so strong. When we see femininity, it's so strong. Like when I think of uh, an, an Eartha Kitt or mm-hmm. an Erica Badu or a Diana Ross, these women are iconic women. <laughs> These right. are Josephine Baker, right? Who probably had multiple lovers. These are right. iconic women. They dance to their own drum. 
what they did was they lived full lives. They took the opportunity to figure out who they were and they ran with it. And they yes. created entire lives and circles and existences around who they were. And so that was like the essence of femininity is that they really excelled at being exactly who they were. And everyone that was meant to be in their life came into their life. And another thing we don't talk enough about is they had boundaries. Yes. And that's why I say the feminine and the masculine have to work together because femininity is being, yes, but without boundaries, you don't protect the beauty of what you are. And boundaries are what, if anything, what we need to be teaching women because we don't learn boundaries. We learn to be nice. We learn to be likable. We learn to go with the flow. Boundaries is what creates respect and boundaries is what allows you to attract more of what you want and less of what you do not want. <laughs> less of what you do not want. That's, I mean, to me, that's the more important message. If, even if you don't understand the masculine and feminine thing, if you understand boundaries, you're halfway there. Absolutely. And I feel like we could do a whole other show just on that, <laughs> on that for right? sure. Um, but I'm conscious of the time. So, uh, you know, before we we let you get out of here now, you've been adopting some of your uh, your your old uh, self-care outlets like massage and stuff. So you're, you're moving into some semblance of normalcy. Mm -hmm. But as we continue as a culture to, to, to move towards the world being open for real and being yeah. outside, outside. Once that happens, what's the first thing you're going to do? Um, I am going away. <laughs> the trip is already planned. <laughs> I'll be in St. Croix. Um, yeah, I just really more than anything want to travel. Um, and I know that that comes with responsibility and, and, and not to keep an eye on know where we are and where this virus is because it seems like things are changing every day but that's the one thing that I sitting at home has really made because nothing can replicate seeing yes. another part of the world just being away and and that's what I miss so and next year things are better I just want to travel so much more that's it for me I just need some like blue water and white <laughs> sand and just calm. I'm definitely a person who needs a new environment yes. to really feel unplugged. Unplugged. Oh, yes. yeah. It's like we can only be so much. No, you can't even be unplugged at home. You know, when your cell phone charger is still in the wall, but the cell phone's not in there. Yes. That's how, like, <laughs> I'm not really unplugged. Like, the, it's still valid. It's just not there yet. But like, you know what? It's a fully unplugged. Like, I actually have to not be anywhere in New Jersey. <laughs> It, that's exactly it. Like, I've just got to get out of the state, hopefully out of the country. Yes. Like, I got to go. I, I'm, yep. I'm at this point, I'm climbing the walls a bit. I, I must admit. Yep. Like, I want somebody, I want to watch the, the person, the really nice lady at the, like, omelet station, make my egg whites for me, and somebody just hand me a big mimosa, and I'm poolside. <laughs> like, that's where I need to get to. That's it. That's it. But you were responsible, and we weren't out, you know, until the vaccine. Now we've got vaccines. All yes. Like, all right, wheels up. <laughs> yes, I was home home. I was not one of those people who was skipping out of town, you know, no. in the middle of COVID. So nope. yes, I'm with you there. I'm having dreams about it. It's a whole thing. But anyway, so <laughs> tell it. the people where they can find you online. All right. So you can find me at womenlovepower.com. You can find me on my Instagram page at Aisha K. Thames. Um, and, and that'll take you between those two places. That'll take you everywhere you need to go. Also YouTube at Women Love Power. But, you know, Instagram is my main spot. Perfect. To our listeners, you know the drill. If you've enjoyed this episode, which I know you will because you all still go back to the first time Aisha was on, <laughs> tell somebody about it. Like, share, subscribe, comment. Make you make sure you support the work, the important work that Aisha is doing. 
to my black women, especially, but all women, but to my black women, especially check out women love power and men, y'all need to be educated too. So I'm not going to just leave it to the sisters. Check out the work that she's doing. And as always, continue to support us, continue to support Aisha, but remember to be extraordinary on an ordinary day. Take care. Thank you for listening to the December 26th podcast. I am your host, Delisha. This episode was produced by Demarcus Adisa and music was provided by Thovo. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at December 26er. That's December 26ER. 